Hello and welcome to D23 Inside Disney, the show that gives you a look at the latest Disney news and a peek at the people who make the magic at the Walt Disney Company. I'm D23's Jeffrey Epstein. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And we're your hosts who will take you Inside Disney. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey! Doing good, how are you guys? I am here. Same. <laughs> I'm on Waffle Maker Watch. Just want you guys to know that. Wait, what? <laughs> what kind of waffles? I ordered the 90th anniversary Mickey Waffle Maker on Shop Disney. And I'm like Ooh. checking shipping every day. So this is the highlight of my week, guys. Well, the highlight of my week is waiting for you to get yours. I can't I, wait. I, I do know. think all, all waffles taste better when they're shaped like Mickey. Yes. Totally. They do. Can I also, by the way, give a shout out to a listener named Hunter because I got a really sweet DM on Instagram. Uh, Hunter was a Radio Disney listener back in the day and now found our podcast. So welcome to D23 Inside Disney, Hunter. Aww. Cute. Hi, Hunter. Sweet. (laughs) You guys will remember that I started my classic Disney Channel decom viewing last week with Smart House and Xenon. Proud of you. Thank you. I continued this week. I watched Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> Yay! Love that one. And Rip Girls, which I didn't realize were both going to be set in Hawaii, which just made me be like, oh, cannot like cannot <sighs> wait to go to Hawaii again. So Amen. they were so good. So yes. good. Love Rip Girls. I watched that so many times growing up and it dreamed was... of being in Hawaii instead of Texas. <laughs> but it's very different. They have better beaches. Well, I mean, there are some nice beaches in Texas, but True. I think better in Hawaii. Definitely not Definitely. Hawaii. <laughs> I also, I watched those on Disney Plus, no surprise. And then I also watched the first episode of Prop Culture on Disney Plus, oh, where they, yeah. um, they look at uh, the, all the artifacts from Mary Poppins, which are so cool. And of course, Becky Klein, our good pal, featured on the show in that first episode. I'm looking forward to binging the rest. And also on Disney Plus, as we, we've talked about before, the Imagineering story. And later on the show, my good pal and now our good pal, Bob Gurk, uh, came to chat with us to talk about the show, as well as some really, really great Walt stories, which I'm very, very excited to uh, dive into with him. Me too. Other Disney Parks news, big news, Shanghai Disneyland will be opening on May 11th. So that's really exciting, particularly for the people in China who will get to go. And Disney introduced cloth face masks. Did you guys see this on Shop Disney? Did you see that, Candace, when you I were getting your did. walk? Yes. So, yes. So yeah, there are reusable cloth face masks featuring Disney Marvel Star Wars, and Pixar characters. The first million masks are going to be donated to MedServe, and they will distribute them to underserved and vulnerable communities across the U.S. And the first million dollars in profits from the sales are going to MedShare, which um, is just fantastic. And got to tell you, I may have bought the Pixar ones, the Star Wars ones, the Disney classic ones. I bought a lot of them. I, I bought a lot. They're going to be great. I, I'm very excited for them. I, yeah. They are so cute. I got to get some. I like that they come in different sizes. Mm-hmm. Well, Disney is sharing more magic in more ways. Thanks to the Voices of Liberty, the beloved acapella group from the American Adventure at Epcot and Walt Disney World. So using their Voices from Home, the singing group reunited virtually for a special performance of two classic Disney tunes all about friendship. You've got a friend in me from Toy Story, then friend like me from Aladdin. 
and it was this wonderful musical medley and it was incredible. I watched and tried to harmonize with them and it, it just sounded really awesome. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'll not be trying that. I leave it to the professionals. If you missed it, you can find that and more Disney magic moments on the Parks blog. I did not miss it. I love it. I'm a huge fan of Voices of Liberty, which will come as a surprise to absolutely no one. Nope. <laughs> also on the Parks blog, they released a ride through with fun facts from Rise of the Resistance. So good. Which, yeah. Uh, it took me back, you two. It took me back to, to our fun in January um, there at, at Disneyland, getting Loved to experience that. Day. that. Yes. Me too. You guys can check it out, d23.com slash inside Disney. Uh, and in other Star Wars news, Oscar winner Taika Waititi is going to direct and co-write a new Star Wars movie, which is going to be uh, released in theaters. So yeah. that was some really cool news. Um, and they also announced that um, that Emmy-nominated writer Leslie Headland is currently developing a new untitled Star Wars series for Disney+, Plus, which she's going to write, executive produce, and serve as showrunner for. So new awesome Star Wars news that they announced on May the 4th. Wow, very fitting. Well, you don't want to miss this piece of news. <laughs> don't is a new game show, and it's premiering on ABC on June 11th. I love what you did there. <laughs> Thanks, Jeffrey. Yeah. So in this game show, doing nothing is what it takes to win. Contestants play for a chance to win up to $100,000 by tackling hilarious tasks with the simple rule of don't, like don't blink or don't play ball in the house. Each win earns them money in the bank, and each fail leads to a ridiculous consequence. So in the end, whatever money a team has in the bank or doesn't have in the bank, they get to keep. Ooh. Can't wait to see this. The show is executive produced by Ryan Reynolds, and it's hosted by Adam Scott. Don't miss it. Yes. Don't forget to tune in. <laughs> ah. <laughs> don't say don't. Don't. Ah, don't. That's ah. so hard. So hard. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have a new Bachelor event to talk about. You guys know I'm a fan of the Bachelor franchise. This one you is know called you are. <laughs> The Bachelor, the most unforgettable ever. And anytime you had ever in a title, I'm sold. This is going to be a good show. It's a look back at the show's most dramatic seasons. It's going to start Monday, June 8th, of course, on ABC. So Chris Harrison will be back. There's going to be 10 episodes from the Bachelor Mansion, and each episode is basically going to be chosen by Chris. They'll be his favorite seasons, so I'm looking forward to all the dramatic meltdowns over the last 20-something seasons, but looking forward to that on ABC here in a couple of weeks. Ooh, don't miss it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't Jeff, worry. you're going to have if you're a contestant on that show. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, also on ABC coming up this weekend, I know you guys are very excited, the Disney Family Sing-Along volume two it's Yay. also mother's day sunday you guys can check it out at seven o'clock ryan seacrest is going to be back to host this one you've got adina menzel ben platt seth rogan billy eichner radio disney artist halsey and so many more also more celebrities will be announced soon so just stay tuned to d23.com you know i love rebel wilson's doing poor unfortunate souls because i got to see her yeah. do that at the hollywood bowl when she, they did little mermaid there and she was amazing and shout out to my pals kara Lindsay, kevin massey and josh strickland who are going among the broadway stars who are going to be singing you'll be in my heart so super excited for that Yay. Oh, um yeah very very cool and uh in other tv news 
just announced that National Geographic's The Right Stuff is actually going to premiere on Disney Plus this fall. The whole cast was at D23 Expo last summer, which was very, very cool, where they talked about the show. And now it is making its move to Disney Plus this fall, which is very exciting. The show is executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Davidson. I will be watching that for sure. And one of my my personal favorites, Colin O'Donohue, who was Hook on Once Upon a Time, is among the stars. So Cool. Well, guys, guess what time it is. I don't know. Don't. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Something. <laughs> it's time to talk about five fantastic things to watch this weekend. Woohoo! As determined by our friends at d23.com. Of course. <laughs> First up on our list is Be Our Chef on Disney+. Plus. We have a brand new episode. It's round seven, and it is going to be Ratatouille-themed. So Ooh. families are going to have to create their own dish inspired by Remy, maybe inspired by Emile, depending on, <laughs> depending on their days. Yeah, so can't wait to see that. I know you're a huge Pixar and Ratatouille fan, so I can't bet you can. And also our friend Angela Kinsey, hosting. Yeah, all, all the things. Also on Friday, a new episode of Elena of Avalor on Disney Channel. Cute. Then on Saturday, honestly, like one of my favorite movies of all time, The Parent Trap is going to be on Freeform. Oh, yeah. I think I could recite a scary amount of that movie (laughs) just by memory. The last few weekends on Freeform have been amazing, by the way. They really have, yeah. Also on Saturday, also on Freeform, Freaky Friday. It's like a Lindsay Lohan double feature. I know. I love it. Well, and then on Sunday, of course, we, you cannot miss the Disney family sing-along. Candace already previewed it. Just giving it another plug there, mainly because I'm so excited. <laughs> I think I watched the first one maybe three times. It, it was so good. And, and Derek so Huff good. is doing it again. And goodness knows what his editing skills will reveal when he, Julianne, and Haley do Step in Time and Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Can you can't say it backwards? I can't say it backwards. No, nope. I can barely say it forward. Not That's even going to try. That's true. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. <laughs> so today we're happy to have with us a true Disney legend. He is one of the original Imagineers who worked with Walt Disney to open Disneyland and was prominently featured on the Disney Plus series, The Imagineering Story. Some attractions he designed or created that you may have heard of. The monorail, the Matterhorn, Autopia, the Omnimover system, the fire engine and other vehicles on Main Street. He is smart. He is funny. He's incredibly charming. And I am lucky to call him a friend, Bob Gurr. Welcome. Well, hello, folks. Everybody out there in digital land, I'm talking to Sherry and Candy and <laughs> Jeffrey. Well, hello. Welcome. Well, Bob, you are 88 years young. Sharp as attack, obviously. What is your secret? Can you tell us, please? Well, it's probably several things. In the simplest sense is sometimes when you're working for a company, you get very, very uptight, aggravated, and become kind of crabby. And then after a while, you begin to view things in a different manner. Maybe, you know, think like the Buddha. Uh, Think about different things that you could react to in a more proverse and an adverse manner. And then after you're 65, you get used to it. And then when you get up to uh, into your 80s, it doesn't much matter whether you're crabby or not. So you might as well just lay back, have a good time, be nice to everybody, and just enjoy every day so much. And it's just about as simple as that. Oh, 
That is some great life advice. I want to get that embroidered on a pillow. <laughs> and, and I think uh, your mountain biking doesn't hurt either. Well, of course, there's a great number of things. You know, you have to use good sense, you know, what you eat and what you cook. At the same time, um, you know, the world is full of couch potatoes. And I've watched so many couch potatoes I knew very well, and they all died. I never was physically active until age 68 when I started mountain biking. Now I have way over 8,000 miles. Whoa. I I bike every week. In fact, tomorrow I go out Lake Balboa. I I got a 12-miler that I like to do there. So you add physical activity as a continuous thing in the years that you get older and older and older. And somehow it's like your brain wants to enjoy the day so much you have to drag your body along with your brain so it has to serve you so that you, you can do the things you like to do. And I think that's that's what's going on, I think. Huh, that is really cool. That's so inspiring. I got to admit something, though. I actually don't know how to ride a bike. What? <laughs> I know. You got to teach me when this is all over. You need to go to Balboa tomorrow. Yeah. It's easy to do. You can get a big tricycle or you can borrow somebody's bike and they'll bolt the training wheels on. But you won't use them after about five minutes. A bicycle is so natural. Don't even worry about it. But oh, Thanks, Bob. Okay, well, we all loved watching the Imagineering story and seeing you at the basketball hoop inside the Matterhorn was iconic. <laughs> what was that like for you? Well, you know, the way um, Leslie uh, plans her shots, she doesn't necessarily consult. She just thinks a lot, talks to her photographer. They mumble a little bit, you know, take 10 minutes. And then she walks over and says, oh, Bob, I think you should walk over to that door and open it. And then when you're done, just wait there and we'll think of something else. So there was a sequence of maybe six or seven uh, setups that wound up. She finally said, when you get out of the elevator, make a left turn, a right turn, and then a sharp right, and keep walking. She didn't say where to stop. And I walked <laughs> on the corner of this, this little uh, metal cage, and I uh, had heard there was a basketball hoop, and I thought, oh, my gosh, there really is a basketball hoop, and sitting on the floor right underneath there were three basketballs, and since I was out of the shot, I thought I was done. So I went over and grabbed the ball, and the first two shots didn't go in. Third shot went right in. I turned around and hooped and hollered, and I'm looking at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what she does. She gets stuff without telling you what she wants, and then all of a sudden it's there. And then, of course, on you know November 12th, when comments started to come in, we got a lot of comments about, oh, my gosh, did you, did you see that old man? He threw a, threw a ball underhanded, and it went right in the hoop. Well, she did this throughout her whole movie. You know, she's got, you know, six hours. She probably did 600 hours. But she has a way of getting into somebody without them knowing what you're supposed to do or how you're contributing. It's an uncanny way to work. And, of course, you know, I just did what she said, not knowing where she's going or why. And then, of course, right after that, she says, why don't you go look at the walls here? And I walked around. The walls are plastered with thousands of signatures. And she says, yeah, the people that work here, they honor this place and they, they autograph the, the walls. And she says, here, there's a, here's an electrical panel door. There's nothing on it. Why don't you sign it? Oh, no, no, I can't do that because I'll get in trouble if I sign it. Somebody else has to sign it. And she hands me a pen and she says, just sign it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. So I re- 
reached up and I signed it for her, not knowing that was another sneaky shot. <laughs> <laughs> so she did get a little thing she wanted, which turned out to be, that's a unique building on planet Earth. The old guy that designed the track is still around, but he's a little bit late, but he autographed it anyway. So mm -hmm. I thought, wow, yeah. it, that's kind of sweet. Had you ever shot a basketball in that hoop before? No, never, never <laughs> gave it a thought. Mm -mm. That's so funny. What's it like for you to be at Disneyland and see these attractions that you designed still being enjoyed by guests today? That has to be crazy. No, it's not crazy at all because, you know, in all, all those early days, pretty much everything in the park up through uh, Haunted Mansion and uh, New Orleans Square and Pirates was the kind of stories Walt liked to tell, only he was telling them in 3D and where the guests are the actors in the show, so to speak. The fact that when some stories are good, they're timeless because the elements of the story self-explain. Like you say the word pirate, everybody has a preconceived notion in their mind about the word pirate. And it's enough that everybody has a different idea, but when they go to see it, oh, all their ideas fit. In the Matterhorn, it's kind of different from the standpoint that roller coasters were always great big piles of wood and metal plates all bolted together. The thing was rickety and noisy and out in the breeze where you could see the whole darn thing. But here comes Walt. No, he wants a roller coaster inside a mountain where he can't see it. Oh, he wants two tracks at the same time. Oh, you can't string it out like woodwork. Well, it's got to fit inside this uh, this white ice cream cone looking thing. <laughs> By Walt's idea, he was making sort of a story of something that never existed, but it's unique. So like Pirates and Haunted Mansion, it could go on forever because of the singular idea of it. And it's enjoyed today, which I love. Well, you mentioned Walt. Certainly lots of people throw around Walt quotes and Waltisms, but you knew Walt. What do you think is one of the biggest or is the biggest misconception about Walt Disney? Well, I, I couldn't speak for the probably 500 million people that enjoy so much of Disney. Everybody will have their different ideas. And most all of these ideas, except for folks, you know, my age that work with them, it's whatever they read in the last book on the subject of Walt Disney. And all of those books are written by entirely different authors. Some are outside the company, some are inside the company. So in a way, much of Walt's history is sort of regulated in a way. And the other part of the history is people with not very good intentions writing their version of a Walt Disney they never met. So you got to bear in mind I can appreciate all the visions of a Walt Disney that so many people have, but I can assure you my vision of Walt is so clear and so simple that I answer it this way. In one way, he was a god to everybody. I noticed he was a god to even the people that presidents of other companies would get kind of nervous in his presence. But at the same time, I noticed within a few weeks of joining Disney in 1954, there was a natural ease around Walt, and it took a long time for him to figure out why. Walt went to a, a very big effort to make it easy for anybody to talk to him. Because one time I heard him mention something to somebody, you know, the words to the effect, you know, 
I have to work with people and I have to talk to them and we can't have anything get in the way. And I thought, oh, golly, he has to work at ordinary communication that other people don't suffer. So the fact that the people who write these books and all the stories that get passed on, none of those folks were ever there in an ordinary conversation with Walt. You know, it might be six or seven people in a meeting at 800 Sonora with Wed, or it might be I'm riding in his car with him with the Catro, you know, so there's just three of us we're just chatting. Or it might be a time where he wanted to go down to Art Center School and uh, with uh, Roger Brogy and another fella. And so Walt said, well, let's go get a company station wagon. And Bobby, you know where place is going, you drive. So in a car, you know, with maybe four people and Walt's just talking totally regular. The other side of it is one time in trying to sell Epcot to um, the Westinghouse company, we were at a cocktail bar and there wasn't enough room for everybody to stand around. And Don Burnham, the chairman of the board of Westinghouse, was standing a little bit too close to Walt. And I noticed his lower lip was starting to quiver as he's talking to Walt. And I just saw, you see, a lot of people think Walt's a god, but he really isn't. He's just Walt. Wow. Well, as someone who truly knew him, what was the greatest lesson you learned from Walt? Oh, there were so many lessons to learn from Walt. Uh, let, me, let me put it this way. Let's say uh, Walt's your boss and you've done a design or done something and it's not working and here he comes to talk to you about it. Well, a normal boss or ones that are kind of mean, they'll immediately uh, criticize what you've done. You cost them time, you cost them money, and you feel very, very bad. Well, Walt would always uh, make a kind of a natural effort that he'd look at something and just sort of kind of say something like, well, I sure as heck know what's not going to work, but why don't we get going here? Let's see what we could uh, do a little bit different on this. Well, do you know what he just did? He didn't unscrew your head. He didn't threaten to fire you if you ever make a stupid mistake again. He's got you there because he has you there to begin with because he thinks you have good ideas. Not all of them going to work, but it's good enough that he doesn't want to kill your free giving him ideas that might work. That is the strongest lesson. I never got over that. How you treat people to maintain their interest and don't hurt them. I love that. Well, you know, when we were talking about uh, with Bob Weiss and, and Leslie Iwerks a few weeks ago, we told them one of the things that we loved about the Imagineering story was the show admitted to failure. It talked about failure because not everything works. And you worked on the Flying Saucers at Disneyland. And while they lasted a few years, there were a lot of challenges with that attraction. Can you talk about working on projects that, you know, never quite take off? See what I did there with the Flying Saucers and take off? Sorry, I'll, I'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah, that kind of kind of play on words because if you were a little kid, you really felt like you were taken off in that thing because it would jump up and bounce around. From a technical standpoint, what we were trying to do Aero Development came up with the idea of this little valve, a little spring-loaded valve that would sit in a deck, and underneath the deck would be a plenum chambers for airflow. To control airflow with all these little valves jumping up and down with all the different weights and the various flying saucers, we learned a little bit too late that there's pressure waves that are sort of like little sonic booms bouncing around through these big plenum chambers. 
And what this meant was it was very hard to instantaneously control the pressure waves and their changes using uh, great big heavy baffle doors that are normally used as air handler equipment for air conditioning. That's all the equipment that was available in those days. And it was years and years before a computer. So as the years went by, those of us who fiddled around with that flying saucer, we finally saw that, oh boy, the only mistake we made was we were about 25 years too soon. If we'd had a computer and if we had a high-speed door baffle equipment that could monitor in milliseconds these little pressure waves, we could have damped them all out and the little valves, one valve would not interfere with another valve. So there wasn't anything really wrong with the idea. It's just that the equipment and the control equipment was years too far in the distance. How did it feel working on a project like that? Was it, were you frustrated? Were you on to the next? No, no, I'd have to speak for myself. I very seldom was assigned to a project that was having a lot of difficulties. That was pretty rare because generally speaking, Walt wouldn't launch us into projects uh, unless he felt there was a pretty good chance this we will find all of what things you have to do to get it to work uh, eventually, not have a bunch of stuff up front that we know it'll work, but the last 10%, we don't know, but hopefully somebody will figure it out later. <laughs> be very, very careful with a super interesting idea. You want to sit down and be able to show all the steps and how they're going to work pretty good in your mind before you even start. But of course, that flies in the face of, you know, we have blue sky. We should be very noble. We should be very fearless. We should, you know, always try to do the impossible. Well, uh, (laughs) sorry, Walt, sometimes the impossible really is impossible, even though you do it. You you build it, you pour the concrete, you run it for a year or two, and then it's like, well, okay, all right, we'll think of something else. (laughs) Well, despite the challenges, there are so many things to know and love about the parks today. Do you have a more recent attraction at the parks that you really love? Oh, you know, for uh, a guy like me, Midway Mania, you know, I'm not the shoot 'em up type of guy. The minute Midway Mania opened up, I thought, oh boy, this is simple. Oh, it's fast. Oh, I could actually get a score. Ooh. I could catch up with younger people if I rode this many, many times. So, <laughs> no, seriously, I'd be down there a lot and I'd kind of negotiate with the single rider line because they caught on to, they, oh, oh, Bob's going to go round and round and round. Okay. <laughs> uh, when you get up almost to that little gate, they'd say it'd sneak me in there. So I could get quite a few rides in an hour. Uh, But I was getting my score higher and higher and higher. Pretty soon I knew where the high number ones were up in the corners, and I get those first. Yeah, that was very funny. I leave with people, and they say, you did what? You're a shooting gallery guy? You never told us that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've never seen a ride like that that was that much fun. Ah, so fun. Okay, so just for fun, we wanted to list a few of your fellow Disney legends and ask you to describe them in one sentence, one phrase. So we're going to start with Marty Sklar. Knowledgeable survivor of, of an organization. All right. Next up, Alice Davis. The sweetest person who absolutely knew what should be done. Hmm. 
Mary Blair. Best artist Walt ever met. Aw. And how about Rolly Crump? Walt truly loved Rolly. Just because he was a Rolly. <laughs> <laughs> and X Atencio. X would always get asked to do something he had never done, and Walt said, that's the point. You're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there one attraction you didn't work on but wished you had, would, lo- would have loved to have been able to work on? Pirates. Really? Aww. I would have loved to have had my name on the cast of Pirates, but I was working hip deep on all the other jobs, and so I missed a chance to even do one little piece of show action equipment for pirates. That's a good answer. Well, we want to make sure we mention that if people want to see what you're up to and learn more about you, they can go to bobger.com. And before we let you go, we wanted to ask you about some of your Disney favorites. So what's your favorite Disney movie? Fantasia. Ooh. I saw it when it came out, and then I saw it every seven years thereafter. Yeah, and then I have a copy of the, uh, of course, sort of the remastered one that uh, came out a great number of years ago. That was a typical Walt Disney, a giant reach and a crazy direction, always showing that he never repeated anything and he was fearless to try anything. Favorite park attraction that you worked on? Favorite one I worked on? Oh, the fire engine on Main Street at Disneyland, of course. (laughs) That's because I talked Walt into it. You know, everybody knows that Walt chose everything that goes in his park. He was very uh, uh, vivid about that. But I caught him in a uh, loose moment once and said, we don't have a fire engine. So uh, he made sure we had one. So it turned out, as soon as I delivered that fire engine, I drove it down on the freeway to deliver it in 58. He wanted a fire engine, too, because Ward Kimball had a fire engine. So every time Walt would <laughs> bring friends to the park, guess what? He'd put them in the fire engine. He'd drive around the park. You know, he could drive a stick shift just like anybody else. But that was funny. He wanted a fire engine. That's my fire engine going down Main Street today. (laughs) (laughs) What about your favorite Disney song? When You Wish Upon a Star. Because you got to know what it means. Favorite Disney character. Oh, Pluto. (laughs) Pluto. Pluto is the sweetest dog I ever met. So every time I go through the park and the people would be there where they're getting their little kids' photos and everything, at an appropriate moment, I'd, I'd walk right in front of the camera, right in front of the people, and kiss them on the nose uh, without interfering. And then Pluto always knew what that meant. <laughs> well, we ask all our guests this one, Bob. What is your favorite Disney memory? Wow. There's so many. I think... It would be the look on Walt's face as he was showing the 1959 monorail to his friend Dick Nixon. When Walt had something and nobody else had it, Walt had the look of the most proud papa you ever saw. And the fact that a pretty high-ranking person in, in the United States was a close buddy of his, and the two guys could look at one another And Walt had that look, that eyebrow went up and that twinkle, like, hey, Dick, look what I got. 
I never got over that because I was up on the platform in a uh, in a ride operator's uniform because I was about ready to give him a ride. Wow, that's amazing. Such a cool story. So cool. Oh. Well, Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Well, it's easy to do. I always enjoy uh, good questions that have, uh, you know, some uh, historic import. I'm not too good answering questions on, uh, you know, local, you know, blog buzzword in, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I like the history part because uh, as long as I can do it, I want to let people know who Walt really was. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. I've had goosebumps this whole conversation. They have not gone down. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.